0: Well, good morning. Uh, My name is Ben. I'm the Music and Ministry Coordinator here at Christ Church, and it's my privilege uh, this morning to be able to share God's Word with you. Um, If you're just joining us, we're in the middle of an Advent series. I'm looking at the four descriptions, uh, the titles, the names of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9. These titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Um, As Mike already mentioned this morning, Advent is a season of of longing and waiting. It's uh, this period before Christmas where we recognize that the whole of creation has been groaning together, that the world is not right. But if you're a Christian here today, this is not a a hopeless whimpering at the present moment, but rather expectant yearning that Christ will come again to make this world right, and that we'll then feast in eternity with him. In the Old Testament, we read about uh, the ancient Israelites who long awaited the coming of the Messiah. And although we live on this side of Christ, uh, we too wait for Christ's second coming, which again will finally put an end to all the hurt and pain and sin that this world endures. So today, as we celebrate and and wait in the season of Advent, we're going to look at this title, Mighty God, the second uh, name that we find in Isaiah chapter 9. It's my hope that as we do so, as we take a closer look at this passage, we'll be able to see more clearly that Jesus is the mighty God and that this is good news for our world today. With that in mind, I'm going to invite Allie forward. Uh, Allie's going to read our scripture passage for today. Um, But while she's coming forward, let me just take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and that you have revealed yourself to us through it. In this season of waiting, would we look to you and see that you are all that we need As we read your word, would you open our eyes and ears so that we might see and hear what you have to say. Soften our hearts so we might understand and obey what is said. We give this time to you, in Jesus' name, amen.
1: This is God's word to us from Isaiah 9, two to seven. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone.
0: Well, last week, we looked at this title, uh, Wonderful Counselor. And we learned that God knows us deeply because he is the one who made us. Therefore, his counsel is perfect. His counsel leads to life. Uh, He knit us together. He creates and sustains all of creation. And in doing so, he knows us better than we know ourselves. He's perfectly wise and infinitely generous in his wise counsel to us. Today, again, we're looking at the second title, the title Mighty God. And this title, Mighty God, comes from the Hebrew word El Gabor. And El Gabor means heroic, mighty, warrior God. It's, a, it's essentially the same concept of what we would think of as a war hero. It's a word depicting bravery, courage, and action. It's a word tied to power, might, and battle. It, it, it's a hero. Isaiah, in this chapter, is prophesying that this child that is to come will be the mighty God a hero to save the people, but not a a mere human hero, not a demigod, but but this child would be the mighty God himself. And so we're going to dig deeper into this concept this morning of hero, and so we're going to look at it in three parts, our longing for a hero, our need for a hero, and then the promise of a hero. So it's our longing, our need, and then the promise. And so first our longing for a hero um, there's no doubt that humanity has this fascination with heroes. Um, this human uh, fascination is evident from ancient mythology to modern cinema. Uh, in other words, it's nothing new. Uh, from Achilles to the Avengers, from Hercules to Harry Potter, um, our best love stories are centered on these heroic figures. Um, we're drawn to these almost godlike figures who rise above, you know, defeat evil, and make the world right. We want to hope that there is something better, that there is someone or something that can make a difference. We long for a hero because whether you're here today as a Christian or not, deep down we know the world is broken. We know that that something isn't right. We long for a hero because we want to see an end to pain and misery. We want to see goodness prevail. We want to see someone who can defeat evil and usher in goodness and light. Unfortunately, most of our beloved heroes aren't actually real. This might be controversial, I don't know, but Luke Skywalker does not exist. There's no human who can actually shoot spider webs. Um, These beloved fictional heroes can't actually help us. But they do expose our longing for such a person, our longing for the world to be made right. And again, this longing isn't unique to our time. In fact, this is what we see in Isaiah. The Israelites were longing for a hero because they were living in a dark and weary world. At the beginning of our passage in verse 2, we're told that the people were walking in darkness. Not only that, but that they were dwelling in a land of deep darkness. Things were not looking good for God's people in Judah. The situation was truly dire. Isaiah 8, the chapter before the passage we're looking at, closes by signaling the impending doom. It says that they will look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. The situation was hopeless and dark because their enemies surrounded them on every side and they were almost certain to overtake them. But it's no secret also that many of their troubles were self-inflicted. They forgot how God had cared for them and provided for them in the past. They didn't believe in God's protection and weren't interested in his commands. Even though he had proven himself faithful time and time again. And so they decide to turn away from God into darkness. The world, the situation for Israel was dark. And when you live in a dark world, you quickly become tired and weary. This word yoke uh, in verse four, it hints at this. It hints that Israel was weary. Uh, The yoke was, was a curved piece of wood essentially a harness used by oxen or other animals that would help haul a load. Um, With this picture in mind, the word yoke was often used as a designation of servitude. It signified carrying this burden of a task or mission right on your back. There's a weight or burden that this word yoke is trying to get at. In our passage, the Israelites, they faced imminent threats, but they also would have known and heard the stories of those who had gone before them They would have remembered that uh, their ancestors were enslaved in Egypt. They would have remembered that after they wandered throughout the wilderness, when they finally got to the promised land, troubles continued almost continually. They faced oppression from the Philistines, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Midianites, among others. And again, while much of this was due to their own sin, their own decision to turn away from God, they were a weary people burdened by oppression and sin. They were tired, they were uncertain, they were hopeless, desperate to get out from under their enemies. They longed for a hero. They longed for someone to deliver them. Well, while we in Canada, we currently don't face an imminent invasion, it's not hard to see that our world is no less dark and weary. As we look around our own country, let alone the entire world, we can see it's filled with untold suffering and pain, cancer, chronic illness, violence, unjust deaths, families divided, abuse, depression, oppression, grief, poverty, addictions, the list goes on. You don't have to look very hard to find the darkness in our world. Maybe even more dark is that suicide is one of the leading causes of death in our country, particularly amongst men and young people. In the last few months, there has been an even greater push to expand medical assistance in dying. Depression is incredibly widespread. All of these things show us that there are many in our world who experience the real darkness of it and who feel hopeless in it. Many feel like they have no options and nowhere to turn. Our world is dark, and like the Israelites, we're weary. Maybe you're entering the Christmas season feeling this way, weary from life, from its struggles, from its suffering, Maybe you're weary from fighting sin or its consequences, or maybe you're tired even from living under the law. Of course, God's commands are good and right and beautiful, but to live on this paradigm that God accepts you based on your performance is incredibly exhausting. There's no end to what you need to do. Of course, the Christmas season accentuates all of these feelings. There's the cultural pressure to have life at its picture-perfect best, um, impressive-looking homes, precious-looking children, delicious-looking food, maybe even the best dish at a church Christmas party. (laughs) Meanwhile, strained relationships, family divisions, grief, loss, financial difficulties, uncertainties can feel all the more pronounced throughout the season. Whether it's because of sin or oppression, hurt or pain, we live in a weary world filled with weary people. We live in a world longing for someone to come and take our pain and suffering away. Someone who can give us rest. Someone who can make things right. We long for a hero. But the question then is where do we look to for this hero? And this takes us to our second point, which is our need for a hero. In 2016, uh, Disney released a movie called Moana. Um, I don't know if you've saw it, but Moana is a story where an adventurous teenager, uh, believe it or not, named Moana, um, sails out on a daring mission to save her people. The inhabitants of her island worship the goddess Tafiti, but Tafiti's heart has been stolen. And without getting into the weeds too much of what Moana's all about, it comes down to this, that the gods need Moana's help. If Moana is true to herself and true to her heart and true to her destiny, she can help Tafiti and put the world back on its right course. In short, Moana doesn't need a God. The gods need Moana. And isn't this exactly what we hear in the world today? Just look within. Be true to yourself. It's true the world is dark. We'll grant you that. But if you stay true to yourself and find hope within, it will all be okay. Maybe you're left with the question, does this advice actually work? (laughs) Well, throughout the Old Testament, we read of leaders that God raised up. Time and time again, from the garden up until the time of Isaiah, the most prominent leaders who you think might finally deliver Israel and give peace and rest to its people all ultimately fail. They doubt that what God says is true. They turn from Him, trying to be their own God in the process. Um, They lie, they, they commit adultery, they murder, but in one way or another, they all fail. Uh, David, he, he, may, he may be the most famous uh, example, the most famous likely hero that ends up uh, committing adultery. And then to cover it up, creates a plan to murder the other man. But David's story, maybe the most famous, is certainly not unique. Um, Jesus' genealogy in the beginning of both the Gospel of Matthew and Luke is filled with names. Not of perfect people, but it's filled with people who have all failed in one way or another. And maybe this is what's most dark of all, is that like the Israelites, there is no human amongst us who knows enough to cure the evil and suffering we see in our world today, or who is powerful enough to do anything about it. Moana, the story of Moana cannot be true, because the truth is the darkness doesn't just exist out there in the world, but it lives in each of our hearts. Sin is present in all of our lives. Right? We're no more trustworthy than the failed idols that we put our hope in. We're quick, like the Israelites, to forget God and his ways, and we so easily get entangled in sin and its consequences. We need a hero because we cannot save ourselves. We're selfish. We chase after what we think will make us happy. And we use others for our own good. We're slow to offer mercy and grace, instead quick to judge and look down on those around us. Envy, greed, lust, they live in our hearts. Despite having so much, we're still unsatisfied. We live like we never have enough. Like the Israelites, we too turn from God, not trusting in his promises. Instead, we go our own way, looking to the world to fill our hearts and satisfy our deepest desires. You and I are unable to be the hero we desperately need. None of us have the strength, power, or wisdom that we need. Our hearts are too messed up. At the end of Isaiah chapter 8, again, this chapter before the one we're looking at, we see God's people look to their own resources and wisdom to try to save them. And the people, they began looking to mediums, mediums sorry, and magicians to figure out their problems. And then, of course, Israel's leaders, they began looking to um, political and military alliances that would try to get them out of this mess. But all of it leads to more darkness. Isaiah chapter 8 is telling us if we only look to the earth and human resources, if we only look within, the darkness will get worse. We'll be left hopeless. There is no solution in and of ourselves. And this leads us to our third point, the promise of a hero. The darkness and weariness that we see in Isaiah and in our world today is what makes Isaiah 9 so wonderful. Because it tells us that a mighty God is coming. It tells us that the rescue that we need is on the way. Because it tells us that those walking in darkness have seen a great light. It has shone on them. Light has dawned. This light and hope has come to help us, to save us. But it comes from outside of ourselves, from outside of the world, and it enters in. This light shines from the mighty God, strong enough to defeat darkness, powerful enough to do something about it sin and suffering are no match for him the gospel of john at the beginning tells us that in him in christ in christ the mighty god was life and that this life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it christ the mighty god brings light and life he brings healing and wholeness peace and rest to a dark and weary world but he doesn't only bring light. If you're weary, verse 4 tells us actually what to expect. This word yoke comes up again. It says, for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. What is this verse saying? Well, uh, the day of Midian was actually a great victory in the book of Judges. Um, Gideon and 32,000 of his men, uh, they're ready to attack the Midianites who have over 100,000 people in their army. But God tells Gideon, you know what? That 32,000, that's that's too many men. Way too many. We're going to cut it down. And so it ends up being Gideon and 300 men who attack over 100,000 Midianites. And they win. It's an incredible victory that is clearly given to them through the power of God himself. And it's a clue for us that this victory Isaiah foretells will be similarly unusual and unlikely. One person says this, that the abuse of oppressors, cruelty of tyrants, all their whips and cudgels and curses is gone, done away with, a deliverance as surprising and sudden as Gideon's old victory over Midian. After generations of slavery and oppression at the hands of their enemies, finally someone who could come to break this yoke, finally someone who could give them rest. Likewise, though, for us, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can live with hope in a weary world because Christ, the mighty God, is the one strong enough to carry the burden of our pain and of our suffering and of our sin. He is the one who actually could do something about it and has done something about it. If you're suffering today, struggling with the darkness of our world, you do not suffer alone. In the Gospels, we read, of course, of the incredible, exciting birth of Christ. But we also learn that Christ is eventually killed. He suffers on the cross. But he doesn't suffer needlessly. In fact, Christ, the mighty God, suffers for you And not only that, he suffers with you. He knows what it's like to be abandoned, beaten, bullied, poor, lonely, called crazy. Hebrews tells us that we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet did not sin. Therefore, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We need not be hopeless in the darkness. We need not be weary because Christ the mighty God has come and is coming again. Christ the mighty God, he knows what you and I are going through. He knows what struggles and battles we carry, and he has the power to help us. He is the hero that we long for, that we need, and that is promised to us. Jesus, he didn't come into the world to congratulate the successful and high five those who have their lives together. He came for those walking in darkness, weary, tired, and burdened. The last couple of weeks if you've been here, we've sung a song called Oh Come All You Unfaithful that highlights this very point. Right? Christ has come for those who are unfaithful, weak, those who are unstable. He's come for the barren, for those waiting. He's come for those weary of praying. He's come for those who are bitter, for those who are broken. He comes for those who are guilty, for those who are fearful, for those who are tempted to hide. He comes for those who have nothing. Christ, the mighty God, born for you. We live in a dark and weary world, and the message of Christmas is not simply that love and unity and peace and these warm feelings that we can conjure up will triumph if we simply work hard enough and work together or look within the message of, Christian, of, of Christmas is that we cannot save ourselves, but that light has dawned. The mighty one, the mighty God has come. The one who has created all things and who sustains all things. The one mighty in battle, strong enough to vanquish our enemies of sin and Satan and death. He's come in a manger. He's come as a baby. The one with the wisdom and power to finally put the world right has come so that we can have hope, knowing that all we endure, however difficult, and it is difficult, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Superman, he's not real, nor, again, controversial maybe, is Frodo Baggins. (laughs) But these heroic tales fulfill a set of longings in the human heart, that realistic fiction can never touch or satisfy but in christ the one who isaiah prophesied about and the one who the gospels proclaimed we find the mighty god who comes from heaven to earth who enters into actual history the light in the darkness the one who would set captives free our hope in him can be sure because isaiah's prophecy is true Jesus comes as the mighty God, and throughout the Gospels, we see him demonstrate his power and authority and might over nature. We see his power over disease, his power over demons, his power over sin, and ultimately his power over death. The Messiah, Jesus Christ, is the mighty God who has the power to save us from our sin and put the world right so that we can have hope and joy and peace and experience his everlasting love. This is the last verse of, of a Christmas tune, which I thought would be appropriate to share as we finish. It says, How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, souls, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ, or maybe you could say the mighty God, Christ himself, enters in. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you that you sent Christ, the mighty God, the hero that we need, to save and rescue us. Help us put our hope and trust in him. We ask this in his name. Amen.